Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, Pastor Adam Osier wrap up their discussion on Article 22 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Register today for the Summer Institute of Theology, which happens August 1st through the 5th. Classes include training in adult catechesis, congregational leadership, and Christian ethics. Find out more at flbc.edu forward slash s-i-t. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am indeed Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Indeed, Pastor Jason Goodham. <laughs> I feel like I have to say it. Indeed, uh, yeah. Pastor Adam Ocean. You were going to look so stuck up if you didn't I say was. it. I was. <laughs> yeah, I know. I backed you in the corner on that we're one. We're not uh, not sponsored by Indeed.com. <laughs> no, we are sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and yeah, Seminary, as right. you heard at the beginning of the episode. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we are on our New Testament episode as we've uh, had this arc of episodes about uh, Article 22 of the Augsburg Confession. And speaking of the Ark, those chapters in Genesis would have been even more relevant to Holy Communion than 1 Samuel 2. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. That was a trippy passage. Anyway, go ahead. Trippy. Oh, I don't know where I was going. I, I was just looking to you, Brett. I always look to you on this show. All right. Yeah. We'll You're the one that holds to. us together, yeah, Brett. Well, though, thanks. Anyway. I will never throw you under the bus like I did last week. Yeah. No, that... Asking questions. What am I doing? That was... How dare I? That was good. I mean, it, it was a good slice of humble pie for me, uh, and I ate it. A good reminder. It wasn't as good as, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of good pie. Key Rhyme. Key lime. Strawberry. It goes pecan, key lime, everything else. Hmm. I don't like key lime pie, but let's what read the scripture with Brett. Let's read the let's, scripture. Let's read about another scripture where we're, just excommunicated we're you. consuming uh, something. All right, anyway. I'm at a love feast uh, with yeah. Jason, and he serves me <laughs> key lime pie. You will not find me bowing down to the bad attitudes and wrong practices of the people in our text today, the Corinthians. Brett, what are, what do we learn about yes. the Corinthians today? <laughs> we are it's reading the best segue we've ever yeah, had. How about that? <laughs> First Corinthians eleven verses seventeen through twenty nine. I'll read that for us here. It says, "But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse." <laughs> Pretty general yeah, statement. Right. <laughs> I love Paul. <laughs> yeah, right. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Hmm. When you come together, it is not for not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? What? Yeah, right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I love this passage. <laughs> or, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord... The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, is mean is. Do, do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. And, and I, we have not covered this passage in, in all of our episodes that about... That stuns me. Yeah, it does. Because the one thing when you were reading through this, I remembered when we did the small catechism section with Brian, how on the words of institution, each one of us had a different word or phrase that we emphasized yeah. when we did that oh, during right. the service. That's right. Because you had is means is, yep. and I emphasized the for you. Yep. And what, what was, was Brian's the this? Maybe. I, like, I, I think he was, he was emphasizing the elements, yeah. like the means of grace. Yeah. I, I can't remember, but yeah, it's, it's just stunning. This is one of those, like, I can't believe we haven't done that. I, I was bracing uh, to like, how, which New Testament lesson? Cause I know we've done the words of institution yeah. in the gospels, but it, it really surprised me that we've never yeah. done this. We're, we're trying to cover like the whole Bible over the course of yeah. all of our episodes. Well, it's a really good thing that we have like couple dozen articles in the small call yeah. article and 13 in the uh, formula to cover yet, plus the treatise. Hmm. We'll, we'll hang, knock hang out with a, us. Yeah, we'll yeah. knock out an Antichrist passage or two with the treatise. Yeah. <laughs> when you All guys right. are done talking about the glory days, <laughs> I would like to... Hi, Adam. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I, I Adam Mosier. Like I've only covered like four New Testament passages, <laughs> uh, but this is a new one for... No, this, this is an interesting passage to me yeah. in part... I, it, it just gives such an insight, I think, into the nature of the church. Yeah. And when I say that, I, I'm talking about the congregation, the local body of believers gathered together as a group of holy idiots. <laughs> That's really what I mean. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> nope. I wasn't either. It just kind of came out. I was out. expecting <laughs> something profound. <laughs> Maybe I was. That, it, it kind of is profound when you think about it. Because Paul, at the beginning of the book, he describes them as the church. He doesn't call into question their salvation. He doesn't call into question God's work on their behalf or who they are. He, he goes out of his way to describe them as the church of yeah, God right. and the grace that has been given to them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, and now that we're on that topic as the church, you are you are dumb. You guys are a bunch of putzes. You, 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 you follow Paul. One follows Paul. One follows a Paulus, I'm just glad that I wasn't well, there when you guys got when you guys got saved, so I didn't have to baptize any of you because you guys would have put me on a pedestal and started burning incense to me. You guys are just <laughs> stupid. And then he goes on and, and problem after problem after problem. Yeah. And then we get to this, and I just love that line. It's funny in the ESV, verse 22. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the only thing that could have made that written better uh, in English, and yeah. I'm sure it was there in Hebrew, was the interrobang. You know, the question mark yeah. exclamation point. Like what? <laughs> That's that's you know, called. That's what that. it's called. It's called an interrobang. Wow. So when when you read the what? Yeah. The, for whatever reason, the movie scene that flashed in my head. You guys seen the original Lego movie? Uh-huh. Where no. Will Ferrell plays the dad. Yeah. yeah. And after his kids have been playing downstairs in his Legos all day, he walks in and sees you know how he screwed up all you know. Will Ferrell uses it like 3D models and he's walking. Around, what? 
what? He just does it over and over for like two minutes looking at all the scenes that his kid has made with his Lego. It's exactly what I thought about Paul looking at the congregation. What is this? And that, what is that? My favorite part of this passage is Paul's restraint. Because we have the context of the first 11 and a half chapters of first Corinthians. And you brought up the Paulos, uh, the, I follow Paul, I follow Paulos, I follow Cephas. And then the, I follow Jesus, the really obnoxious crowd, mm-hmm. uh, the Jesus jukers. Uh, but he's already established this. He spent like three chapters on this, right? And then he, and he writes, uh, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear <laughs> that there are divisions among you. <laughs> I hear uh, this is going. <laughs> like, I, I hear this, even though I just wrote about it yeah. and railed on it in chapter one of my letter to you. And by the way, I want to clarify. I think I said Hebrew and Terabang. It, Hebrew does not have in Terabangs. This is in Greek, and I'm sure Greek oh, did. Yeah. Also, the '80s had a lot of bangs. <laughs> oh, all right. And if, anyway, a, if a detective had yeah, bangs, that then that bad. would be an Interobang. Oh, sorry. Oh. Got out of my system. T- remember to tip your wages and waitress. <laughs> right. I used but, to get beat up for saying things like that. <laughs> I'm glad there's a table and a couple microphones and a computer between us right now. I, I hear there are divisions <laughs> I hear. among us. Who could? Who would have known? Yeah. But it's that rhetorical style. What you need to do when you read scripture is sometimes you need to put the meat on the bones. You need to, to, to instead of just have it be a sterile treatise, kind of give Paul some emotion in writing this. Yeah. And, and he is really taking the back of his hand yeah. and smacking him around in this because like you said, Adam, they're a bunch of idiots. But that, but that, that makes the rest of it all the more sweet. It makes that, it all the more sweet and yeah. all the more clear. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but you no, know, that's okay. No, it's, I think it's a good example of, you know, preaching the law and all of its sternness. And then right after that, uh, it's so refreshing, verse 23, for I received from the Lord. And he, yeah. he brings in the, that sweet gospel, what Christ has done uh, through uh, delivering himself in, in the Lord's Supper. And it, and it really makes you wonder, like, how could the, the Roman Catholic Church during the time of Luther have gotten so off base as to what Holy Communion was all about? Is in this moment of rebuke, Paul steps aside in his letter and delivers the pure, unadulterated gospel with words of qualification and warning that we don't mess with it, right? And and during Luther's time, the whole testament of the Roman Catholic Church is, hey, guess what, guys? We messed with it, and it's fun, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what if only the priests get the wine? How about if? How about if we try this next time, guys? <laughs> but, I mean, not to be too uncharitable, but you look at this, and, and over uh, at least twice, three times, he mentions the body and the blood for the entire congregation, mm-hmm. that this is yeah. a specific thing given to the congregation, one, gospel for your benefit, and two, law not to be messed with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's explicit yeah. in the text. Hmm. I, uh, as I'm looking at this, as I look at verse 20, I define the verse, I apologize. Verse 20, when you come together, he says, it's interesting to me because he's describing their bad practice. He's describing how they've completely maligned what, what this was designed to be. And he says, what, when you come together, 
it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. It's an interesting thing. You've abused it beyond recognition. Beyond recognition. Is that what's being said there? Yes and no. So a little bit of uh, a massive resource, especially for us Lutherans, and understanding what's going on in this passage. If you take the Concordia commentary that's written on 1 Corinthians, it's written by Dr. Gregory Lockwood. I thought you were going to say Chemnitz. Well, Chemnitz had the massive treatise on yeah, the Lord's Supper. Yeah. It's uh, a little bit thicker and harder to understand, but go there. But Lockwood talks about this. Uh, and what Lockwood said is that communion was often done in partnership with the communal meal, the love feast, which it's, you know, it, I don't think I would ever attend anything called a love feast. No. <laughs> you can't nowadays. I, I did have fun imagining you when you said you and Jason read a love feast. <laughs> yeah, I did earlier. say that, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Oh, let's okay. Anyway, let's have but, the editor scrub that that part out. <laughs> yeah. the, the communal meal. Yeah. That Lockwood writes that the love feast is not a one-for-one equivalent with communion. And uh, if I'm if I'm misquoting Lockwood on this, this is my fault because it's been a while since I read through that passage, but I actually had to write a couple papers on this a couple years ago, what was going on. And, and what Lockwood suspects is that communion was served at the end of the meal. Hmm. And, and so it would in fact have represented sure. the Passover Seder, which then Christ turned into the institution of the Lord's Supper, except not a high meal like the Passover Seder was, but a communal meal. And, and part of the purpose of the communal meal, as we know, in, if you read through 1 Corinthians, is that the beauty of the congregation is that it equalized status. So you'd have the wealthy and the poor and the slaves of whatever worshiping community was together in, in, in Corinth, probably a little bit larger. But the, the common practice of the church in the first century is you would have house churches. You know, the, you, you didn't have First Lutheran on the corner, you know, that, that people would walk to or whatever. So you're in someone's home and it was an opportunity to show hospitality to the entire body of Christ, regardless of status. And Paul's uh, criticism of what is going on in Corinth is that they've taken what was a good and a beautiful thing and they've made it again a part of status. And so that mm. the rich people would eat first, uh, eat up all the food, drink all the wine, be drunk when communion started. The poor people would show up after getting off of work for the day. There would be nothing to eat. They might not be able to support themselves and they're coming into communion hungry. And, and so it's an abuse of what was going on. So to answer your question, yes, they could have been corrupting the sacrament itself to, to, to make it something it wasn't. But just as likely, they could have been corrupting the entire congregation by their, their selfishness in their license. And it's, it's, it's maybe a both and or an either or in that context. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just I'm thinking back to the, you know, my experiences with potlucks. <laughs> and there are times where have you ever yeah. been to a potluck and you've brought something and it is so delicious and you, you're excited to have some and then you put it out there and, and then, you know, you're humble because we Lutherans are humble people. We, you know, wait until everybody else goes first. You get there and it's gone. I imagine that's what these people felt like. You know, that would be disappointing. That would be a terrible potluck. Well, now multiply that. What if that was you're going to be your only meal of the day? And you were dependent on that. You know, what if this was a weekly occurrence and, you know, all of this is in play because there are, 
the, the factions that Paul is doubling down on, there were spiritual factions, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, Jesus. There's status factions, wealthy, free, slave. Yep. All of this is going on. Uh, beyond that, we know of the sexual immorality going yeah. on in the Corinthian church. And, and this is a group of screwed up people. Holy idiots. Holy, yeah. that, that need the gospel. Yep. And basically the outcome of this is here's the gospel. This is for you. And you, you come not believing the right thing, not discerning the body and blood of Christ, not recognizing what this represents. You come without reverence, without intent, and you're a thing that should be delivering to you. The forgiveness of sins is now delivering judgment to you. Yeah. And that's uh, rightfully so that he responds in, uh, in clarifying that for them and then, you know, sharing what it is that we're actually receiving. And, and I guess as we start to kind of sort of land the, the plane on this whole issue, um, is, is there anything else about the Lord's Supper in this passage that we can, uh, while we're here, while we're hanging out in this text, uh, to touch on? Again, this isn't the point to argue about distinctions and differences that the LCMS in, in the AFLC and the Lutheran brethren and, and our, our, our Lutheran brothers and sisters, especially on the conservative end of the spectrum, this is not the place to fight about distinctions. This is to, the place to say that whatever is done must be done uh, in reverence, in a spirit of this is how it was delivered to us in Scripture. And that's what's going on, that, you know, the the level that the Roman Catholics were on during Luther's time, during the time of the Reformation, was Coke and potato chips. You know that you, you've seen all those in the, in the non-denom yeah, churches yep. or in the emergent church. That is playing it fast and loose with the elements of communion. There's no promise in Coke and potato chips, right? The promise is that the body and blood of Christ are delivered in with and under the bread and uh, wine of communion for our comfort. And it goes back to the very first thing you identified when you read article 22, yep. uh, four weeks ago, Brett, is that we do not want consciences to be burdened by Holy communion. And, and, uh, this is where I think free Lutherans have a lot to contribute to the discussion because the, the bad side of pietism is a side that denies the usefulness of Holy Communion because of unworthiness. Mm. And, and that's kind of the spirit that the Roman Catholic Church was cultivating, right? So uh, we all know people in the upper Midwest, uh, and, and it, it came out of Norwegian Lutheranism in the 1800s, that you would not go to communion because you were not worthy. Mm-hmm. And it, they you know, had it less frequently too. Less frequently, of that. Yep. even you know quarterly or once yep. a year. And, and actually, Luther writes about this in the Large Catechism. Uh, and for whatever reason, the Norwegians ignored it, and it happened in the 1800s and the 1900s that people refused to come to communion because you're not worthy. And that inverts what it's there for. You come to communion precisely because you're unworthy, precisely because you're a sinner in need of forgiveness. You, if, if you think you're worthy, if you think, uh, you, you know, you, you've prepared yourself for this in, in a, like, oh, I, I had a really good week, you know, uh, <laughs> then you're not worthy. Uh, uh, 
preparing ourselves to receive communion, receiving communion in a worthy way. First is believing in the gospel, believing that Jesus is there with his body and blood, believing that he's ready to forgive your sins. It's a record, your worthiness is a recognition of your unworthiness and your need for Christ to be your salvation and not your good works. I think in the the nature of, of the argument of Article 22, you know, only having the bread, I think that just the reading of this text, just the plain reading of this text, the average church member was having both. The average church member was supposed to have both, bread and wine. And I think in that, what we have is the, the imagery. Now, I'm not saying that, and it got to be clear on this, the body and blood of Christ here are not mere symbols, but they do symbolize the body and blood of Christ. They are to be, we are to remember his sacrifice. And in that he gave his body, he shed his blood. Both aspects of that were given by him as a gift to comfort our conscience. They were given by him to us to be reminded of what it was he went through. And not only that, because it's actually those things, right? This is, this, and it doesn't say represents, symbolizes, or kind of looks like. It's actually him coming to us in those promises and bringing the forgiveness of sins that he promises as to be part of that, right? Given and shed for you. And Matthew, I think in his, his account says this, for the forgiveness of sins. And that's really what the heart of, I think, Jason, what you're talking about, that's really what the heart of this is. It's to... It's to free troubled consciences. And when we're playing fast and loose and trying to make new rules about it, that becomes problematic and it steals from what Christ has done. Yeah. If the gospel isn't being magnified, it's probably being minimized. Mm -hmm. And the whole fight about distinguishing between the laity and the clergy, it just doesn't hold water because everyone knows the difference between the pastor and the lady. <laughs> it's obvious the pastor's up there and I'm not, or, or whatever the case might be. And even in that, we distinguish between the office and not between the persons. And, and we, we, what we do not want to be doing is minimizing the gospel because that is what burdens the consciences. You're, you're absolutely right in that. Yeah. And so, you know, as we end up wrap up this episode here, you know, I, I don't know if, if this particular scenario is happening today very much, you know, the the idea of you know, eating everything up before actually um, receiving the Lord's Supper. Um, but, you know, in light of, of the abuses that we might face today, uh, we, we look to uh, what is, is being delivered here to us. And so, yeah, any closing thoughts as we wrap up? What? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, ha- I had to say Paul this. said it exactly that way. <laughs> yeah. I will never be guilty of this at my church because I don't want to deal with that much cellophane. <laughs> there we go. Can, can I end on that? I had to get it in. Well done. Yes. Four yes. weeks now, I think, in a row. Yeah. yeah. Here we are. Almost, we almost talk about cellophane as much as we do vocation. Good job. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on the Oxford Confession. God bless you and have a great week.